0: Welcome to Books on the Ridge, a production of Mount Zion Ridge Press, home of Books Off the Beaten Path. This is a podcast for our readers, to get to know the authors of our books and look between the pages and behind the scenes. Plus, at the start of each month, we will offer readers a limited time code for a discount on the featured book. Your hosts are the co-owners and
1: managing editors of Mount
0: Zion Ridge Press.
1: Hi i'm Tamarlyn Kraft, craft and today in my cohort seat is penny mcginnis who does marketing from outside rich press so penny you want to say hi it's good to be here and it'll be fun to talk to michelle yes because today michelle levine the other managing editor of Mount Zion Ridge Press is going to be with us. And if the fact that she started the publishing company with me is not impressive enough, she has over a hundred books and novellas published in science fiction and fantasy, young adults, suspense, women's fiction, and romance. Just about Any genre you can think of, she probably has something published in it. I don't do Westerns or horror. Well, I do the Westerns. (laughs) So that's okay. (laughs) Well, anyway, she's written a brand new book. The name of the book is Dancing on My Grave. And it's the Book and Mug Mysteries Book 2. Not only that, but we have a code in case you want to buy the book. If you buy it from Mount Sin Ridge Press in ebook, paperback, or audiobook, you get a dollar off for using the coupon code GRABE, G R A B E, all caps. So we are so happy to welcome Michelle on the other end of the interview. We have an
2: endorsement for Michelle's first book, which I've also read, and I think you'll look forward to her next book as well. The Unwelcome Wagon is a great, cozy mystery read by Michelle L. Levine. The title comes about when the main character, Sandra Bailey, is moving into her apartment, and there are two welcome wagon groups that come to greet her. This is the beginning of her seeing where the lines, per se, are drawn in the sand. I can't wait to read more about this town and the citizens. What will they get into next?
0: Michelle, can you tell us about your new book, Baby? Dancing on My Grave actually starts months before the events in the Unwelcome Wagon. And it helps that I have dates before every, well, not every scene, but every time a new day starts in the sequence of, of events. So people who are paying attention will realize, okay, this happens before the first book i read this is a trick that i started using when i did my tabor heights books because out of the 20 books in the tabor heights series they all they take place in the, over the course of 2 years so a lot of the action overlaps from a lot of books so people who are paying attention can say okay this book take this scene takes place on april 18th if they go to another book where events take place at the same time they can see the same scene from somebody else's point of view but anyway i use a calendar in plotting the book as well to keep track of events and sometimes i say okay this has to happen on this date so i work backwards building up to certain events it actually helps which is kind of odd because i i don't like i don't like detailed plotting Um, I say that the people who plot so intensely that they have the number of words planned out in each chapter and the actual events that take place in each chapter, those people give me hives. (laughs) (laughs) So putting the dates on the different events gives people an anchor, a sense of time. So the unwelcome wagon started in August, but dancing on my grave starts in April of the same year. Uh, At first, the main conflict seems to be the rivalry between two dancing clubs, which is where the title comes from. The Four Corners is a square dancing club led by our heroine, Becca, and the Tippy Toes tap dancing club is led by her nemesis since middle school, Simone Radcliffe. First, it appears that Simone is making progress on Conrad Price, who had expressed interest in deepening his relationship with Becca, before she went to Europe for a short-term missions project. So things intensify when Becca gets home in July, and Conrad isn't following through on the things he said in his emails and his uh, video chats. Conrad has changed drastically. Weird things start happening. The Four Corners and Tippy Toes are both kicked out of Windows on the River, which is a a second-floor meeting room where they would have their meetings, and they would rehearse. And conduct business. Conrad becomes distant with everybody. He gets nasty. His grandmother, who has been playing matchmaker between him and Becca, is afraid of him. And then there's problems with estranged relatives who show up out of nowhere and try to take over the family real estate business. Things just start snowballing. Becca is the main point of view character. So all her questions her noticing weird patterns. The readers see all of this through her eyes. At the same time, because it is book and mug mysteries, um, some main characters from book and mug also have point of view scenes. So um, Eden is a private investigator, so we get a little bit of her her, um, involvement. She actually is there in the first scene of the story when Conrad comes to her for some help investigating some odd situations. So Eden is involved from the beginning, and Kai, who runs Book and Mug, and Sandra, our heroine from Unwelcome Wagon, are the other two point-of-view characters and how they, they see things and the people that they bring in to the story. So there is a dead body, eventually. It doesn't show up as quickly as um, some people seem to think they should in other cozy mysteries, but... Eventually, a dead body or two or three show up. And I'm hoping that readers pick up on the clues and everything comes together very subtly. But they don't say, wait a minute, that shouldn't have happened. What I want readers to do and say at the end of the book is, I didn't see that coming. And yet at
1: the same time, that's the only way it should have ended. The best mysteries are a surprise, but inevitable. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> All right. This is the second of the Book and Mug mystery series. The first one was called The Unwelcome Wagon. So first, can you tell us a little bit about The Unwelcome Wagon? And also, should our readers read that first? Are there any uh, spoilers in the second book since it's taking place at the same time? Yeah,
0: you could consider it a spoiler um, because Becca is um, a member of the Guzzlers, which is the group that Kai has put together to kind of to act as advisors to give input on new menu items for Book and Mug coffee shop. So Becca comes to Book and Mug quite often. She is there or she's down the street when things happen. So she hears about the wrap-up events of The Unwelcome Wagon. So I would probably recommend that people read The Unwelcome Wagon first if they don't want spoilers. But um, its I don't think it's particularly necessary. The things they need to know for Dancing on My Grave, they can pick up as they're reading Dancing on My Grave.
1: Well, I read both and I strongly recommend the Unwelcome Wagon First because if you know if you read Dancing on My Grave First, you will know who done it in the Welcome Wagon.
0: (laughs) I think to back up, because it's called the Book and Mug Mysteries, you need to know about Book and Mug, and you need to about you need to know about the cousins who own the building because they're going to be involved in everything one way or another through the through the whole series. Book and Mug is a coffee shop in a historic building on the main drag in Cadburn Township. The coffee shop is on the first floor of the building, owned by Kai and his cousins, Eden and Troy. Um, There's a long-term story arc that will be focused on the cousins. They're looking for answers to why they were tossed into the system and apparently deliberately lost. With their identities taken away when they were children, records lost, um, detours put into the system. They have some clues, and Eden, who is the oldest of the trio, becomes a private investigator to help her search for the clues and answers. She runs her private investigation business called Finders on the second floor. The second floor is also the office that all three cousins share, and half of the floor is her apartment. Troy and Kai have their apartments on the third floor. Then there's a greenhouse on the roof, along with the patio that the cousins have set up. Um, there's one scene in the unwelcome wagon where it's Labor Day, and they're sitting on the roof uh, a, with an umbrella table, and they're having a picnic, and they're watching the Labor, the Labor Day parade pass by on the street below them. Troy is the financial wizard of the team. Um, he started investing in high school. He's got gobs of money. He is their financial wizard, uh, their money man. He bought the building for them to live in. His financial activities will become a plot point in a future book. And then, um, well, we're introduced to the cousins and to Cadburn Township in the Unwelcome Wagon when Sandra Bailey comes to town as the new children's librarian. She has some ties to the cousins that are slowly revealed in small bits and pieces the most important one is that she's custodian of a venetian glass heart locket and the three cousins also have venetian glass heart lockets their lockets have seeds in them it's not revealed right away what sandra has in her locket the lockets and the seeds are crucial in the search for the cousin's identity And eventually we'll reveal why the cousins were tossed into the system and deliberately lost, whether it was allies or enemies who did this to them, that will be revealed in the future books. And not because I haven't figured it out yet. Uh, More pieces of mystery will be revealed in each book as the cousins go along and make new friends and allies and investigate the people that they have found. In the first book, you find out that they originally came to Cadburn Township following the trail of a woman who they think has answers to their, their mysterious past. And Sandra ends up renting the apartment that this woman lived in. So Kai wants to get into the apartment and look around and see if any clues were left. But there's a problem. He's attracted to Sandra. He doesn't want to irritate or alienate her by getting too nosy. So in The Unwelcome Wagon, the main story centers around a nasty, smelly character who's referred to as the Cigar Man. We first see him when he tries to get into Sandra's apartment the day she moves in. Then we see him trying to break into Book and Mug, at which time he falls from the fire escape and dies. So now a lot of the action is trying to figure out what he was looking for. The three cousins refer to the head trustee as the clown prince. Roger Cadburn is a descendant of the family that settled the township. So he thinks, you know, everybody owes him. Cigar man came to Eden trying to hire her to find some family documents. He called them family documents. And it turns out that they think he's looking for some books that they found when they were renovating the building. Books that belong to the Cadburns. So Roger Cadburn is all upset at them. He's upset at Cigar Man. He thinks the cousins are fighting against him. He's just a nemesis the whole way through. And um, well, I'm not going to give away what happens in the book. (laughs) You'll have to read the book. (laughs) But everything comes to a head. And a number of nasty characters get their comeuppance. I always make sure the nasty characters get their comeuppance, especially if they're Mortally embarrassed.
2: Um, you mentioned a little bit about the future of the books in the series. Is there anything else you want
0: to entice us with? <laughs> that we'll keep us reading? Well, at the end of Dancing on Your Grave, Becca runs into some other members of the Guzzlers. These are the Tweed cousins, Melba and Scylla, elderly ladies um, who share a duplex And they're planning on opening up a candle shop. And the candle shop is called Brighten Your Corner. And that's going to be the title of the next book. And um, a former tenant of their shop is very nasty and is causing trouble. He's claiming that he was illegally evicted from the shop and he threatens them. And Melba has a temper. So she, she sasses back at him. So when his dead body is found in their shop... They're the prime suspects. So um, the Guzzlers, led by Kai and Sandra, team up to prove that first the Tweed cousins are not the murderers. And then figure out who killed him, how it how it took place, um, especially to prove the cousins are innocent. From there, I plan a book where Cadburn Creek, which runs behind the shops on the, on the main drag, Cadburn Creek finally floods after years of people predicting, oh, this is going to be the year we're going to have a flood. And there are rumors about underground railroad tunnels leading from the creek underneath the town. Well, they find one of the tunnels when it floods. And in one of the tunnels is a skeleton in a Civil War uniform. Because in previous stories, there are mention of, Rumors of a Cadburn daughter who went to serve in the Civil War, it, guys as a boy and never came home. So everybody's all you know, hooray, the mystery is solved. We found the missing Cadburn daughter. Well, doesn't exactly turn out that way. So figuring out who the skeleton is, how it got in the tunnel, is most of the most of the story in the next book. And then,, um, I've introduced Pastor Roy of Cadburn Bible Chapel and his sister, Patty, who is his housekeeper and general secretary for the church and leads a lot of the ladies groups in the church. I want to do something where some uncomfortable secrets from pastor Roy's past come back to haunt him. And somebody tries to ruin his reputation in the town. And then I was playing with an idea. It's like three sentences so far. But Ashley Cadburn, the wife of the clown prince, is presented as a somewhat despicable character. She's just nasty. She thinks she's all that in the first book. But one redeeming feature is that she loves her stepdaughter dearly. And Daphne loves her stepmother. So there's got to be some good in here. So I think I want to have a story
1: where Ashley gets to redeem herself. That sounds wonderful. It sounds like you have a lot of plans. Oh, I've got so many that will keep me so busy. I love cozy (laughs) mysteries. Uh, When people ask me the difference between mysteries and cozy mysteries, I always tell them, murder she wrote is a cozy mystery. (laughs) That's the same thing I do. All I have to do is say, murder she wrote. And they go, oh. Yeah. And then they know exactly what a cozy mystery is. Mm -hmm. All right, in this book, square dancing is featured. Now, the main character is a square dancer and the the snit is a tap dancer, which I'm not sure why you made her a tap dancer. I tap danced when I was younger and I loved it. <laughs> but in any case, what got your interest started in square dancing? Do you square dance or is it all reason? No, <laughs> it's, it's
0: mostly a joke. The whole square, the whole square dancing aspect. Um, the seed for the story was a writing exercise we did a few years ago in an ACFW meeting. And we were instructed to pick somebody there in our group, choose a food item, and then set up a situation with that person, something we knew about that person. Well, I picked Rebecca Waters, our current president at that time, and I knew she belonged to a square dancing club. The funny thing is that the situation that I wrote about in that exercise, which is like, you know, 500 words, dealt with somebody being poisoned by food eaten at a square dancing potluck. (laughs) That scene, it didn't, I changed it from poisoning to um, anaphylactic shock. And originally Conrad is allergic to nuts.
1: So it was chicken almond salad. Uh, You just slipped. Conrad was poisoned
0: or no, no, I, you didn't hear what I said. I said, originally I started out with, and I I changed it from being poisoned to anaphylactic shock, but that scene now is entirely cut out of the book because as I was writing the story, I discovered all sorts of things about my characters and their backgrounds. It's like, no, that's, that's not going to work. I have to cut this out. (laughs) (laughs) I did leave. An allergy to nuts in the story, but it's just like a sideline. It doesn't even doesn't even show up in the main action, which is funny that you know the story, the little snippet of story that launched the whole idea is completely gone now. <laughs> well, that sounds like an interesting twist
2: with the square dancing. You've written books in a lot of different genres. What led you to write a cozy mystery series?
0: <laughs> have you got about two hours? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do we? Tim? Okay. <laughs> I've I've made a lot of notes for answering the questions. You know, for for those who haven't guessed by now, who haven't who've listened to other other interviews on this Books on the Ridge podcast, we do have a set series of questions, and the the guests in the uh, in the hot seat do get a chance to plan ahead how they're going to answer. So, I've got all these notes and tried to condense them greatly. Um, The short version of the story is that I got started writing fan fiction when I was in college. One of the TV series I loved was called Stingray. A guy, Man of Mystery, driving a black vintage Stingray, goes around helping people and he doesn't ask for any payment except that these people owe him a favor when he helps someone else in the future. So, I wrote four or five fan fiction stories with Stingray. Then I recycled the fan fiction stories, um, setting up a romantic suspense series that I called The Five Sisters, which had cousins looking for each other, um, descendants of five daughters of an officer in Mussolini's army who illegally immigrated to the United States during World War II, and they were separated. So in the series, the cousins are looking for each other. And the character based on Stingray and another character I had created for these stories are two of the main characters in the series. So those five books are now out of print. And a few years ago, I think like five years ago, maybe six, I started playing with the idea of revising and redeeming the series turning it around, expanding it, having more stories, but keeping the core of the cousins looking for each other. I proposed the series to an editor at a romance house that shall remain nameless. She wanted to see the first book. So I sent the manuscript to the agent that I had at that time to forward to this editor. The agent who is no longer my agent didn't. Three months later, she emailed me and said, hey, why don't you turn this into a cozy mystery series? And I guess I was so surprised that I didn't ask, why didn't you send it to the editor who wanted to see it, who liked the concept? I never asked her. I did what she told me to do. I researched cozies. I wrote the unwelcome wagon, did a lot of work creating the town of Cadburn Township, the main characters. I created a map. I revised the original quest of the cousins to turn it into the Venetian glass hearts and the seeds and, and all that. Then sent unwelcome wagon to my agent who told me to turn it into a cozy mystery. Nothing happened with it. I have no idea if she even sent it to anybody. It was long story short. After quite a few instances where I basically fell through the cracks Where I had made contact with publishers and they wanted to see books. And I sent the books to my agent to forward to the publishers, or I sent the books directly to the editor. And they were supposed to contact my agent to say if they liked it, they wanted to see more. Silence, silence, silence. I'd contact them six months, a year later, and they'd say, Oh, well, I I let your agent know back when. And I contact my agent and she said, I never got the email. After this happened four or five times, I said, okay, this isn't working out. And in the parlance, I divorced my agent. (laughs) And then poor Tamara. I said, hey, I've got this series I'm working on. Do you want to publish it? And we had an open slot. And Tamara, I don't know if she was being, if she was pitying me (laughs) or being overly optimistic,
1: but we published Unwelcome Wagon.
0: And that started it.
1: Huh? You know how long I've wanted mysteries since <laughs> this company and she said she had a cozy mystery and I'm like, yes, let's publish it. Absolutely. And now like, you guys hey. are stuck with me. Since I couldn't get any cozy mystery writers to submit to us, I was thrilled. <laughs> but getting back to the questions, does this Book mirror real life at all. I know there's one character in the book that you named Tamara <laughs> <laughs> in both books, <laughs> but after your friend and me. <laughs> but other than that, any characters? Uh- um, other than naming my main character Becca
0: after Becky, the square dance group leader. Um that's about as close to real people that I personally know people that I've I've had interactions with. Um I do base some characters on um public figures. I worked for about um oh let's see 10 years at a weekly newspaper and I encountered a lot of public officials. People who thought they were all that. Wives of public officials who, you know, they they'd come in and they'd want the rules to be bent for them, I would say, sorry, but these are the rules. I can't do this. And this one woman, her response was always, do your best, meaning make an exception for me. So there's a lot of despicable characters in these stories who are based on people I had the displeasure of encountering, which brings up the law of hackath. Hackath not off the writer, for lo, she shall write thee into her next book. Yea, verily, she shall smite thee in messy and embarrassing ways.
1: (laughs) And by doing cozy mysteries, you're able to do that. (laughs) Thanks for talking to us, Michelle, as the author rather than one of the editors of our company. It's been fun torturing you with these questions. So join us next week when Michelle tells us a little bit more about her book and her writing and her life (laughs) so and don't forget the code to get one dollar off michelle's book dancing on my grave the code is grave g-r-a-v-e all caps thank you bye Thanks for listening to
0: Books on the Ridge, a production of Mount Zion Ridge Press, home of Books Off the Beaten Path. Check our website, www.mountzionridgepress.com, for more information. Please consider subscribing to support this podcast, plus receive regular updates and more discounts as our way of saying thanks. Please come back next week for the second part of our chat. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. We certainly did.